listening to the smooth sound of RPGMP3.com. Dungeon One. So Ed basically it lunged at me with its claws bared and its teeth clamped together. So of course I shot it in the face. Imagine my surprise when it turned out to be Princess Anne. But so, sorry. Oh, is the mic on? Okay, hello. Hello, righto. Well, thank you, Lord Buxley, and I'd like to welcome you to this lecture at the Gentlemen's Club of the Empire. Uh, in front of you, you'll find your brainomatic helmets. It's a, a marvellous device which will conjure pictures of my exploits directly into your delicate heads. If you'd like to attach the electrodes and then simply insert the spinal syringe. Ah, there we go. Well, let's begin. 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 Is he? I am indeed. Yeah, you sound better this time. Do I? Yes. Do I, by does God? It, does it? Uh, no, you do, actually. You sound a bit clearer. Mm. Oh. Well, I've done nothing different. I just did. That was fine. Well, what about now? You've come back now. Oh, if... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that way lies madness. <laughs> I'm getting things coming up on my WhatsApp, so it uh, should be all right. Right. Okay, good. But the recording's not going at all well. Good. But the things on your WhatsApp are they like polyps? Or... Uh, get those maybe I am, I am very bright, aren't I? And there's a lot of. Oh, light don't flatter yourself, love. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me did try you just doing. Did guinea pig? <laughs> it did did like I? That. Did I what? Um, I moved the laptop. Oh right, okay. Which is perched Person upon a guinea pig. I'm going to loom, sorry. I'm looming. If anyone else had said that, I'd assume they were joking. How about now? Oh, look, that's a pretty. Oh, you've got black and white. Oh, that's good. No, I didn't know we had special see, effects. We all Do go we special? Get Do we all get camera. special effects? It's the camera, isn't it? Oh, look, it's like I'm in a dream. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, uh, no this, is, this is to do with... This is to do with my uh, webcam. Oh, film noir. Um, let's go up a bit from there. So, colour. Shall I be in colour? I don't think I can see pure it. Well, that, would, that would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, just brilliant. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Not really. <no. laughs> All right. I'm just getting in the mood. You think the GM would be. Uh, Amenable to that sort of thing. Oh, um, sorry. Right, so you're now you're now behind a rather cheesy '80s video effect. <laughs> yes, yeah. Looks remarkably appropriate. This is my favourite. Back in the spacecraft, <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is a uh, terrible for audio, so I'll stop doing that. There's a possibility we could edit this out, but I doubt it. Um, I can always bring it in later. No one. Okay, the scary it. cat warmers. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Right. Oh, damn it. I so, can't, there's um... just the three of us tonight. Oh, look at that. Uh, Helen can't make Oh, it. right, okay. Oh, that's a shame. Um, Martin has threatened to pop in if he can, which means unlikely, I would think, because obviously he's putting the kids to bed about now. Which means it's okay. two hours. <laughs> so, are we going to have a, a discussion about future nights then, or should we leave that? For... Well, uh, as I was just saying to Amelia, the thing is, if it's 
if it's not going to be uh, a regular thing where Helen can definitely do Sundays, then Sundays is about as inconvenient a night as we can get. Yeah, Sunday is the, the night before the week, so I, yes. I would rather Friday or Saturday. If I can do any day except me, Thursday, me so... Uh, okay, yeah, well, that's that's good. Yeah, I don't um, think Thursdays was on the card. So, yeah, well, let's say... Well, we'll probably say next Friday, then. Yep. Shall we? Uh, I think that's okay, because it's Emma's parents' Ruby anniversary at the weekend. So I should be all right on Friday. Brilliant. Okay, I'll see you then. Bye, Smashing. everyone. I really enjoyed it this evening. Yeah, it's you? been great, hasn't it? <laughs> and no, no NPCs I'm joking. We haven't started. Like the last one. <clears throat> I had peritonitis. What do you want from me? I'm not. A, yeah. I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. Everybody dies of that, apparently. They well, they do when I see them. So you've got your character sheets and all the bits and pieces and yep. relevant. Yes, stories. and we've gained some experience since last time. My doctoring skill is now six, and I have a speciality in uh, what can I call it? Like pressure-based dis- aviation diseases. Things to do with uh, space travel, or changes in pressure and that sort of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be good. I've got no dice. One second. So I'm going to oh, put no. like space travel. What was it? Two D six. Pressure. Oh, how is everyone, by the way? Good. Good. Oh, hello. <sighs> he must have some D6 somewhere, surely. I refuse to believe he can't find any dice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's wrestling with if they're not dice. So when we see him disappearing into the tin. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tin of holding. He's still looking. You would imagine, wouldn't you? I'd be absolutely snied out with dice, but it turns out not D six. <laughs> You've got no, surely there's a monopoly set you can don't call me raid. Uh, no, no, there's not. Actually. Now I think about it. That's Quite right, see, monopoly is it? Yep, these are these are working around. Make a good role playing game, though. Would it? Makes a lousy board game. I, Capitalism. I no, it's not that. You see, it's it's the it's the deals that people do that aren't really in the rules. You could have it very right, cutthroat. Yes. Yeah. If you start to think of it in the set in the time it was written, and the kind of things that would actually be happening when you're doing those deals to buy places. Thirties. It was written in uh, era. Renaissance Italy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That's right. It, it's Monopoly. Yes, it's the original title. <laughs> it's written um, by the Borgias. <laughs> that's right. Wouldn't that be great? The Borgias <laughs> present. <laughs> so, um, last time, despite me saying it was 1903, it was actually 1901, as I believe I corrected later. It's not. That's ter- what my doctor thought. It's not terribly important. You've been asking your doctor about historical detail. Well, oh, your character was a doctor. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it was 1901. It's now 1902. So right. um, this is practically like Pendragon. We're leaping forwards here, and uh, oh, I don't have to roll to see if my horse cops it. Dies? No, not not unless <laughs> he's racing at Aintree. No. Oh, cutting topical. 
Too soon? Uh, not by the time this is released. <laughs> We're about five months. <laughs> and have you received the uh, emails I sent with the details? Yep. Yes. I've been invited right. on an expedition and told to go jogging or something. Yeah. Now, because it's just the two of you... I think I missed the jogging bit. Yes. <laughs> Because it's just the two of you, uh, what I'd like is for one of you to just read the uh, advert that you've been sent a copy of, which appeared in the Times, but you two have been sent your own personal copies. And then if you could because just read the Because we accompanying... like in with the man, innit? Absolutely. Then if you could read the accompanying letter, just to establish things for um, the listening audience. Uh, uh, okay. Do you want to do the letter, Amelia, while I yeah, find the... Yeah, I'm just the... trying to find the letter in my email. I mean, we are a well-organised... Well-oiled yes, yes, team. We well-oiled. <laughs> You're a well-oiled duo, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, where is it? <laughs> oh, right, gotcha, right. What, what am I reading? The letter from Redgrave? No, the Explorer's um, oh, the ad- oh, advert yeah, in the advert. Times. Right. Advert in the Times. Unknown date. Explorers. An expedition. Oh, 1902. Sorry, 1902. I don't know. I don't need time. Somebody irons it for me and hands it to me. Um, <laughs> and Explorers. An expedition is planned to a remote archaeological site. Exploration will involve some discomfort and possible danger. Rewards cannot be guaranteed, but all expenses will be paid, and success may lead to future opportunities. Participants must meet stringent fitness requirements and will be selected on the basis of relevant skills. Apply quoting qualifications by telegraph to Explorers, Smeaton, Yorkshire. Replies must be received by 10am Friday the 20th of June to be considered. Intriguing. That was so, the media That does suggest that it's not February, you know. We were, let, let's, yes. Let's say it's early June, shall we? Right, okay. Well, we both received a letter from Redgrave Engineering Limited, uh, from Smeaton in Yorkshire, saying, Dear Underline. I had a feeling you'd read that. In your case, it said, Dear Dr. Crowther. Very well. Um, You might be interested in joining the expedition I'm planning. Sorry about the short notice. Conditions will be perfect in a few days, and we've only just got the astronef ready to fly again. As you've probably guessed, we're going to take another look at the moon. I should warn you that I really am going to be very firm about health and qualifications. We don't want any accidents. I hope that you feel like participating. Sincerely, PB Lord Redgrave. And can I just say, uh, beautifully read, and thank you for not pausing on, I really am going to be very firm. Which is what I expected you to do. Damn it. I'm losing <laughs> my opportunity there. Well, quite. So, yes, uh, for the majority of people who are responding... This is just uh, an advert, you know, along the lines of the Shackleton expedition or whatever. They could be off anywhere. Um, But you're getting that little heads up that, in fact, Lord Redgrave is heading back to the moon. Now, see, some expeditions nowadays, they think it's quite fancy and clever to go to the Antarctic, but our expedition goes to the moon. Actually, the Antarctic would be tremendously... If you think that this is 1902, nobody has actually made it to the South Pole yet. Okay, yes, true. So I'm just saying, if there are any other expeditions currently going on, <laughs> ours pretty much wins hands down. explorers turning up down. with random expedition supplies, like, oh, I packed furs, I thought we might be going south, you know. Well, maybe. <laughs> to be honest, it's probably a little bit cold on the moon, I'm taking a guess. But is yeah, you actually know, is quite warm, isn't it? You know about as much as of Antarctica as you do about the moon, because as I'm sure you have read the first of um, 
George Griffith's uh, fictionalised accounts of Lady Redgrave's diary, Stories of Other Worlds, novelised as A Honeymoon in Space, uh, you'll know all about that trip to the moon. Well, I was reading that, and I realised where they were going, and I thought it would spoil it, so I didn't. No, it's been it's been published. (laughs) Oh, so we would know that. I saw there were some there were some pyramids and lots of dead bodies found around there. An extinct civilization. Not dead bodies, or skeletons. Very, very ancient skeletons. Right. So there there has been a civilization. They found this enormous pyramid, which is very, very exciting. But they weren't able to to go very far inside it, and they couldn't really explore the area in much detail because, of course, they were on their honeymoon and had other places to go, like Ganymede, you know. So uh, the moon, very interesting, love to find out more, but they've got to go back in order to do that. So they're recruiting some specialists, and you two. Right. Um, (laughs) Abuse already? (laughs) I'm a little late starting, actually, for me. So, that's the reference. So, since our last adventure, um, Miss Valentine and myself have been lady, working lady. together. Wait, the lady? Remember who's the oh, higher social class here? <laughs> well, I remember who's allegedly the higher social class here. Um, yeah, he'll remember that work... when you're in need of a doctor. It's going, ha, come on, man. <laughs> you think I hire him? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> what? Everyone dies of peritonitis. I don't... Well, everyone you treat dies of peritonitis. <laughs> everyone I operate on. <laughs> I'm afraid it doesn't look good. Um, I forgot what I was explaining that we have spent the last year collaborating on uh, the R Force. No, on the R Force, which and its effects in my. I, I've been looking into its effects on the human body, which is why I'm now a specialist in it. And right. Amelia's been helping produce equipment to I've test actually zero stuff, gravity. As opposed to theory, mm. it's great, exactly. <laughs> so have you actually obtained an amount of uh, of R-Force material from Lord Redgrave, then? Well, I may have been bugging him about it, which is probably why we, he's advised been... us on the expedition. I think perhaps what we've spent a lot of the year doing is trying to simulate zero gravity yeah. rather than actually make zero gravity. <laughs> Jumping off the top of the West Wing. That yes. sort of thing. <laughs> As you say, there's been a lot of catapults and a lot of... Um, a few broken butlers later, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a few mice splattered <laughs> against the wall. The, do- the <laughs> Doctor's uh, main role has been to patch up the servants. It's actually very difficult to take a guinea pig's pulse once it's fired out of a catapult <laughs> for the few, <laughs> few millionths of a second that it's in free fall. Um, isn't it just a figure of speech, you know, using it as a guinea pig? Doesn't actually have to be a guinea pig. Is it? that where I've been going wrong this past year? <laughs> I'm pretty certain that the only thing that guinea pigs really get used for is deep fried as a snack. Plus, they cost a damn sight more than a guinea. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so, did they? No, they didn't actually. I just thought it was a good opportunity to. Right. Well, carry there on. are going to be several hundred replies to this uh, advertisement. You will discover. And, Did we get uh, the letter before the ad went in? Uh, pretty much simultaneously. You know, it, it would have probably been sent to you the same morning, so naturally it arrives before breakfast, because we we live in an age when uh, when the post works. <laughs> now, the um, uh, due to a, a strict application of um, uh, a filtering process, they've managed to winnow out the people who can obviously be disqualified on the grounds of insanity, insanity <laughs> illiteracy, or foreignness. 
And um, so you're down to about 30 people, as, as you'll discover. And you presumably are going to reply in the positive, or we can just call it a halt there and we'll decide what we're doing next week. So what do you think? No <laughs> railroading at all. Yeah, I think it's good. We're certainly interested. The, our discovery on the liner has piqued our interest in the in the mysterious R force. Oh, that's blown my plans for the evening then. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, so the sorry. <laughs> we could just uh, do a North Korea and explode on the launch pad. <laughs> Nonsense. Of course, it was a glorious success. It was indeed. Oh, that's <laughs> what they meant. Haven't to you? To our listeners in North Korea. Oh, I'm sorry, they're answering. Oh, no, our listeners in North Korea, yes. Yes, well known for accessing in North Korea. Um, yeah, actually, the North Koreans did admit that it hadn't worked 100%, which is a huge They, they did, astonishingly. Uh, anyway, you basically have to catch a train to Smeaton for the following week, so I presume the two of you are likely to meet up and travel together? or. Oh, yes. Well, if I'm allowed in the same carriage as Lady Valentine. Well, I might pay for his ticket. Oh, okay. very forward well, well, my family might pay for his ticket. By the way, where do you actually live? Are you in London? Or? I would have thought we'd be Londoners, wouldn't we? Well, yes, my family townhouse. Oh, well, you'll get the direct train then from London. Uh, now, the... Oh. Hello. John has frozen in mid-sentence. That's not good. No. It's a bit hard to... Well, we could role-play the train <laughs> train journey in, in real time. You can imagine what he's trying to say. Um, there's a train crash. <laughs> of course, being well, wonderful Victorian trains, we have a smooth and perfectly uneventful journey and takes three hours. <laughs> It is a bit depressing that we can go back over a hundred years <laughs> and have a better postal service and a better rail service. Yes. <laughs> but no internet. They had to make do with a massive network of cans and string. Oh. He's, He's gone. To Maybe we'll have to make another room. We'll have to wait and see because he could jointly rejoin last time, didn't we? We couldn't rename the chat either, then. No, it's called something like 372TQX1423. Yeah, oh, his avatar's back. Are you Is back, anyone John? actually there? Yes, oh, we're here. You are, okay. You're the only one who vanished. Yeah. Uh, Google's Hangout with Extras, which is apparently in beta, doesn't work properly. So <laughs> I'm not going to click that button again, because what it's supposed to do is temporarily drop me out, share a document with you, and then drop Oh, no, we in. don't want to try sharing documents. It doesn't um, work. Well, you could do it on Google Docs. That's that what I'm going easy. to do, which will just require me to nip over to a different screen. Which should or you could just email it. Uh, yeah, I'll probably just email it. It's going to be quicker and simpler, I think. Uh, lovely like idea that we can just you know, drag and drop and all this sort of it stuff. Worked. But unfortunately, they it worked. The first, yeah, it worked the first week, didn't it? It was wonderful. When we were playing our Cthulhu game, that's it was amazing, and they had sketchpad and shiny extras. Hasn't worked since. Clicking in those. Well, for God's sake, don't don't experiment. We'll probably find that now. This is the point where there'll be no further recordings or something. That's it. It's all collapsed. (laughs) So. Right, where is is it coming up? My email, or is it? 
it should be just attaching. Wow, that's taking a long time to load 14k. Wow. <laughs> 14k. You can oh, practically hold it up on the screen and show it to us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to remember that um, Forgotten Futures was started in the early 90s. Oh, is it Scandpedia? So, no, a lot of it's that you'll see it when you when you get it. Mm. Uh, a lot of its illustrations and things are, are somewhat crude by today's standards. Obviously, illustrating technology has moved far on from well, the, the late 90s. A number of well, the early 90s, a number of the illustrations have been done in a format that is no longer supported by any computer in the known world. So you have to, <laughs> okay. I had to hunt down special um, software to convert it to something. Okay. But th- this one is just a very basic uh, black and white illustration you should have now. And this should show you a souvenir of Smeaton. Ooh, yep. So this will show you oh. where Smeaton is. Uh, it's a little postcard. Hey. So, oh, for those of you for those of you following along at home, it's uh, a little less than halfway between Darlington and Harrogate. The North Yorkshire Moors. If you like, yeah, I don't know. It's a foreign country to me. It's not up where those giant golf balls are at Filey's. <laughs> In 1902. No. <laughs> well, they could no, have been it there, <laughs> And so, what's that? Oh, okay, doesn't matter. What's the one? There, there's. I was going to say, what's that large upside-down Zeppelin? Um, but it's the astronef in flight. It is the astronef. It'll be the large upside-down Zeppelin. It's yeah. world. It's world famous, isn't it? You know, it certainly appears on um, postcards and things. Now, is that actually what it appears like, as I've described it, an upside-down Zeppelin? If you imagine a sort of large cigar shape, acutely pointed at both ends, with a sort of squarish, uh, elongated. Yeah, a bit like a gondola from a it's Zeppelin, like a really but on the top. Submarine. Yes. Yeah, and then with a conning tower like a submarine. Yeah. Uh, it's got no okay. obvious fins or anything on it. Uh, that is the astronaut. Uh, there will be a, ra- a rather nicer picture of it. Actually, will be attached to the, um, the one of these files, possibly this one. So, have any other spaceships been developed, or is the astronaut no, still there are, the only one? There are, I think, two in progress at the Smeaton Works. And there are various people around the world trying to build them, but the main problem they've got is that just about the only person who can produce any R Force material is actually Lord Redgrave. Now he's he's selling it and sharing it, but it's very slow to develop, which was the whole thing behind the communication that you assisted with last year, mm. when there was the special agent you recall from the Pinkertons, who um, Poor unfortunately, chap. unfortunately died. I don't believe anything could have been done. I don't think so. You know, he had the best medical care in the room. And, it was um, it was pre-written into the adventure that he would die, and I'll hear no other explanation of his death. Let, let me send you the adventure sometime. No, no, there's no need. Um, he was carrying, as you know, a small pin, which was effectively an R4 seed, and he was going to Tesla, who believed that rather than the standard equipment, that his uh, electrical equipment would be able to multiply the uh, the alpha because it kind of infects other material if you put the right thing next to it it's all very complicated to do with gravitons and so on uh, so with a seed like this if you've got the right equipment you can effectively start to replicate our force material and then create your own um, anti-gravity vehicles it's a sort of it's a repulsive force against the earth so it doesn't make anything that has it on lighter as such it just repels gravity. It, it's acting against the Earth. 
if right. you get me. So it's not the same as a balloon, which is just lighter. You know, lighter it's actively it's filled with a lighter than air gap. Away it is pushing away, which means that if you get into deep space, it stops working because there's nothing to push against. This is very okay. important for... for so it's no good for intergalactic travel, sort of? Uh, well, you'd run out of food and water long before then anyway, so it's kind of irrelevant. But it does mean that it's possible... Okay, it's very, very easy, in fact, in the solar system to be far enough away that you just get caught up in a gravity well of something huge, dragged off course, and unable to actually manoeuvre yourself. So you've got to be very good at what you're doing. Well, I don't understand any of this technical mumbo-jumbo... Well, when you say bounce off planets, that makes it sound a bit dramatic. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not going to be our pilot, are you, Lady Valentine? <laughs> no, I have absolutely no pilot at all. Wonderful. <laughs> Just checking. Still, who knows, there might be an outbreak of appendicitis. <laughs> so, really you... <laughs> so cruel, you lose one patient. <laughs> Out of one. <laughs> When you only have one patient, losing one patient is a Dr. Crowder is genuinely a highly experienced medician, medic. Um, Hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) You're having fun back there, though. Yeah. Mrs. Peel is curled up on the rug behind me. Mrs. Peel is obviously the cat, for anyone listening who's wondering what kind of a household I have. You can believe what you like, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, you can all see us on webcam. Right. So, you're heading up to Smeaton. You can now see where it is, and I'm just dropping a load of very noisy papers. Um, yeah, most of the NPCs encountered in Smeaton have strong Yorkshire accents. Except Lovely. This, I'm looking forward to it. Except the ones before. we happen to talk to. <laughs> Unfortunately, we well, happen to. We have a Stoke accent. <laughs> yes, most of ours seem to have a sort of North Midlands accent. <laughs> Vaguely North ish. North <laughs> if you live in, you know, Brighton or Worthing or something. Or Devon. Apparently, for the uninitiated, e.g., Americans, a Lancashire accent is very similar. So it's got it all in this event. Don't say that. Right. Right. Happen. Right. <laughs> So a, a small steam charabank meets the train and carries you and several of the people you discover are, are going towards the Smooton works as well. Uh, the engine's hissing away and, uh, you know, it's clearly a, a remarkable uh, machine. You suspect it's been built by Lord Redgrave's uh, team as well. So it's, it's fairly luxurious. Uh, but as you're chugging away towards the Redgrave works and appropriate approaching the gates you start to hear um, it's a well known hymn tune in fact but the the words as you start to get closer are, are not the words that you're familiar with and I'm not going to sing but as you round oh, the corner go on. No, sorry. as you round the corner you see there, there is in fact a, what appears to be a congregation outside the gates of the Smeaton Works and not in common with most church congregations a lot of them are carrying signs and placards but uh, I shall now just read the hymn (coughs) if you'd all like to stand and turn to page 47 in your hymn book (laughs) hear the truth our tongues are telling spread the light from shore to shore God hath given man a dwelling flat and flat for evermore when the primal dark retreated when the deeps were undesigned he with rule and level meted habitation for mankind 
Hear the truth our tongues are telling, spread the light from shore to shore. Oh, be faithful, oh, be truthful, earth is flat for evermore. So there's a bunch of loonies picketing out. <laughs> and they uh, drive what away. Does it, what does it say on their placards? Uh, things like, the earth is flat, uh, God hath ordained that the earth be flat. Lots of oh, extra God. E's and things in there. They that Reverend away. Green isn't amongst this lunatic bunch, is he? No, I think we offered that lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> did we? I don't remember <laughs> Sorry, No, no, they, they, they got off the boat in New York. Oh, right, <laughs> we didn't murder them all. Would the two of you just like to roll 2d6 and tell me what you've got? Oh, God. Five. Nine. Dr. Crowther, you recognise the man leading the choir. He's very vigorously leading the, cra- the choir, and he is indeed the Reverend Green. Reverend Green, who I had a brief encounter with and realised he is at breakfast. Somewhat. Barking. <laughs> Just think of it, though, you didn't spend much time at breakfast. <laughs> no, I had barely. I lost three stone on that bloody cruise ship. Oh no, no, no! You lost more like fourteen stone. <laughs> but fortunately, none of it was mine. No, that's that's right. So that's a win. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, I'll do my best to... Is, is this a covered uh, carriage? It's, it's an automated carriage thing. It's a shower bank. Yeah, it's basically a, a sort of almost like a steam-powered bus, but it's... Uh, if you think of like the old trams and so on, you know, very square-sided, it's in no way streamlined or anything like that. Um, right. It, it is covered, it's quite, um, you know, flush as it goes. That Lady Valentine, that's that lunatic... Reverend Green, remember from the boat? Oh, oh, insufferable man! Yes. What is he waving? Well, most of them a baton. I... He's waving a baton, I think. Well, this placard, oh, for goodness' sake, nobody really believes the Earth is flat anymore. Even the Greeks knew it wasn't. Yes, I don't think anyone ever thought the Earth was flat, did they? Ridiculous. Yeah, I'm surprised Lord Redgrave lets them stay outside here. Hasn't he seen the photographs uh, of the Earth from space? Well, the, the, the driver leans over and he says, oh, the uh, come on, picketers once a week. Police wanted to stop them, to be honest, but uh, his lordship won't have it. He says they aren't doing any harm. Happens right. Mm, that not. wasn't a Yorkshire accent. It wasn't an attempt at a Yorkshire accent. Don't you dare snicker at me. <laughs> I, sorry, I was laughing at something here entirely I, different. I know my limitations. <laughs> If I attempt a Yorkshire accent, it will turn into Max Jollity and nobody wants that. <laughs> no, Max Jollity, wants I'm that. getting off the bus right now. <laughs> Chief Engineer Jollity will be joining you on the... T- I'm sure he's a Lancastrian, anyway. <laughs> no, he's just northern. Mm. I've never said where he's from, I don't he's think. He's just non-specifically northern. You know. <laughs> uh, you got to laugh. <laughs> no, no, anyway. Not when you're around, Max. The, um... The crowd does actually rather politely step aside from the gate. They don't in any way try to impede the uh, movement of the bus, and the gates are open. And uh, the bus goes through and the gates close. Uh, they're not attempting well, to get do, in. Why do they conflabrate around this place? Well, Never mind what I said. Don't forget that um, Lord Redgrave is the first person to achieve, you know, to full flight, effectively, and he's gone outside of the um, uh, the bounds of the Earth off around oh, the solar it system. It offends their so delicate is, sensibilities. As far as he's concerned, he's, he's basically showing, yes, of course the Earth is round, it's very cool, everybody knows that, and here's the proof, and we've got photographs from space and all that sort of thing. So, the, the flat Earthers, and uh, apparently Reverend Green is one, however did you guess he was going to be in it? Um... <laughs> 
naked I've he's... met him before. <laughs> yes, but you've also met Colonel Moutard. Yeah, no, he's he can't possibly far back. Maybe, uh, who was it? Uh, somebody Scarlet, wasn't it? Scarlet O'Harity or whatever. Scarlet O'Harity and Blanche, somebody or other. Professor Plumworthy. There was a Professor Plum. They're very familiar names. I can't quite put my finger no, on them. No, I, I can't place it. That's strange. I think maybe they're featured in Monopoly. Oh, that'll be it, yes. So, anyway. Uh, eventually, the. Um, is it is it a great big factory? This place, or is it... well, there's there's two parts. The the factory, the Smeaton Works, is actually off in uh, quite away from the main hall, but it's in the grounds of Sm- of um, Redgrave's Manor at Smeaton, and you're sort of pulled around to uh, not the front door, of course, of course, but an area where but it's sort of. It's a lady, uh, Lady Valentine. Surely goes in the front door, does she? Uh, That's no, not a euphemism. Everybody, oh God, everybody's going to be treated more or less the same. I mean, obviously, so there will have to the be accommodations. Well, there will have to be accommodations. I mean, there's no way, for example, that uh, an unaccompanied lady would be allowed on the expedition. So there will, ha- there will have to be a chaperone. Uh, you know, another lady would have to go. Because you couldn't possibly have a single woman on uh, Well, there's this, this lady Redgrave, so... Uh, most likely, she'll be going. She is an experienced explorer and uh, an excellent photographer, as everybody knows. In fact, I th- weren't you given a uh, autographed copy of Honeymoon in Space after the last debacle, uh, the yes. last adventure that we? Uh, yes, he, he was kind used. enough to send this to us after. Uh, well, that's illustrated with some of her photographs. Ah, oh, fascinating. Anyway, um, a clerk appears. Uh, he's looking rather harassed, very much like a man who's. Uh, not quite had as much time to do all the many, many things that he has to for uh, Lord Redgrave as he uh, perhaps would have liked. But he's uh, sort of shaking people's hands and sort of saying hello. And uh... So, the the clerk, Mr. Rowland, is uh, going to take things over from uh, from here. Stop smiling at me. Um, I'm Terribly sorry to have kept you waiting there. Uh, do please, uh, if you just uh, leave your bags, we'll have those brought in, not a problem. Um, Lord right. Redgrave is dealing with the previous group of applicants. I'm afraid we're having to sort of bring you through in batches, as it were. So uh, I can either offer you a tea or a, a quick tour of the works, and then we can uh, catch up with his lordship as soon as the previous applicants have gone through. Oh, he'd love to uh, see the works. That'd be fantastic. C- cup of tea? Oh, well, uh, yes, uh, obviously, if we're going to have a, a quick tour of the works, there won't be any, any time for tea. I'm sure you don't mind there. Uh, it's a crowd, there is it? That's right. Well, we had tea and sandwich on the train, you'll be fine. An army marches on its stomach, and a doctor marches on his tea. But carry on. <laughs> Excellent. You should write this stuff down, Doctor. <laughs> the um, the factory is, is sort of just around the corner. And walking up the path towards it, the the first thing that really strikes you is it's absolutely huge. There's terrific landscaping around it, lots of trees and little bits where they've, they've sort of built artificial hills and turfed them over and so on. So it sort of disguises the area quite nicely. And it's completely shielded from the, the actual house itself. But nonetheless, once you actually get into view, you realise that this is a very, very extensive work. And the individual hangars where they're actually building things are gigantic. You've you've seen nothing like this. Even the the new stations in London are, are nowhere near this sort of scale. 
It's like some kind of ship port. Well, it's, well, it's got to be huge because, I mean, the, the, the machinery is huge and you'd have to get everything in and then everything's got to float, of course. So. Right, yes, right. I hadn't realised it was such a, an enormous thing. It's also getting very, very noisy as you approach it and uh, Mr Rowland brings you through the, uh, the doors and leads everybody in. Uh, it's not deafening inside. But What's there's... his first name, just out of interest? Well, you, you've only just met him. I don't think you'd be... All right, OK, fair on... enough. It's not relevant, is it? No, no, I'm just wondering. It's probably, you know, Albert or something. All right, OK. Not... No, yeah, it's all right. No, not Carry that. On. No, fair enough. No. Well, you're acting as if the, the chap hasn't been given the name in the adventure, and I've just thought the first thing that came <laughs> Just that the, the man who wrote the game just happens to have a very similar name. Oh, that's coincidence. Oh, right, OK, I see. I mean, after all, there's uh, Roland the Gunslinger, for example, in the Stephen King book, or, of course, you know, uh, Orlando Furioso, uh, Mad Roland. So uh, the next time we're playing of Call of Cthulhu, am I going to meet a Mr Peterson or a Mr Willis? More likely to meet a Mr Lovecraft, I'd have thought. <laughs> oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> I'm nowhere near as subtle as, as having a Mr Peterson. <laughs> OK. <laughs> anyway, do carry on. Yeah, is it worth it? Is that so, a flower pot you're drinking at? This, this is a... It's just a glass. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks a bit like a vase from that. A vase? Uh, sorry, I'm just... It's a sop to our American fans. Really? There are some words you just have to say in American accent, like vase, duodenum, um, you, nobody, aluminum. Nobody says duodenum. <laughs> aluminum is a special case, though, isn't it? Because they have, um, and there was a conference where they, they, the scientists decided how it was going to be spelt and pronounced. And then they changed their and mind the Americans three months didn't later. turn up. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they spell it differently. So of course they pronounce it differently. Fair enough. I think we can. They've done that with that. Um, Uranus as well. Sadly, I don't think they've had their hands on. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's <laughs> let's carry on, shall we? Meanwhile, I won't bring Uranus <laughs> into it. Into, you see, I knew it was going to be a problem having something that involved exploring the solar system, uh, <laughs> particularly the rings around Uranus. <laughs> um, the Smeaton works. That's what we're going to talk. About. Yes, the, there are riveters going away, mechanical riveters plus guys doing things by hand, the panel beaters, huge hammer machines coming down with people shaping pieces of metal underneath them. And there's also uh, a great big row of um, what you believe from what you've been reading up on uh, in uh, some of the newspaper reports and so on, will be Wimhurst machines, which are sort of large fan-like wheels that spin around and have metal brushes against them. And that's what's generating the electricity. So the sort of steam power. I've got a notebook house. I'm thinking notes and making sketches. Ah, an industrial spy. Excellent. We shoot those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not with her. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, Wimhurst generators actually. Oh, sorry. They're actually a real, a real thing. You can Mm. look them up, and they are terribly, terribly frightening, and you don't want to get anywhere near them because they look absolutely lethal. But these are the things that Tesla is hoping to replace because they're not particularly efficient. They've got sort of the, the spark gaps between the two globes on them, and so you, you keep seeing flashes of electricity everywhere. It's, they it's got the really tall one something. with the big bowl on the top. and the. <laughs> uh, not so much, no, but they are very... very the, the other thing with the Wimhurst machines is that to increase the amount of power, you have to build a bigger wheel. 
So these are these gigantic mm. fan things, which then have to be driven by steam, so it's extremely inefficient. Um, there's also uh, the areas where it looks like they've got the um, the keel has been laid down for the new ship that they're building, because they are working on a couple of ships at the moment. But the most impressive thing from where you are at the moment are these gigantic... Um, sort of towers with ceramic and chrome rings on them and big glass columns and um, Mr. Roland sort of looks around and says, now uh, I have to get back to the house if you don't mind but uh, I'll just get one of the workmen here to show you around and explain everything, they know the, the technicalities of it all a, a little bit that could, uh, could one of them perhaps make us a cup of tea while, while they're uh, well, we don't have any tea-making facilities in here. Obviously, the, on the on the break, they'll be. Provided. Uh, you'll be able to get a cup of tea soon. Soon as we head inside, I'm um, right. uh, I'm sure that uh, anyone who's prepared to go on a, a a dangerous expedition such as this won't have any problems. Going to have a cup of tea for five minutes, eh, Doctor? We always had tea on the Boer War. That's all I'm saying. Never went without tea, even in Africa. But carry on. Uh, Mr. Jefferson here will show you uh, the operations. The guy in, in overalls is obviously he's wiping his hands. He's obviously just been—I was going to say—pulled off. No, he's obviously <laughs> just been taken away from what he was doing, and uh, is going to show you around. He looks a bit grumpy, but seems you know, sort of affable now. Uh, he points at the uh, the big columns and things at the building because that's the uh, Tesla graviton converters there. Warship says he'll double the R matter output and. Uh, of the amount of electricity that they're consuming. Mr. Jefferson, this is incredibly fascinating. I mean, they're about oh, twice gosh. the size of the ones I've seen before. How do you ground them? I mean, it must be terribly dangerous. Ah, oh. oh, well, they do say that alternating current can fry a man like a piece of bacon. Did you have any accidents? I mean, it must be very t- terrifying uh, working next to They're not running yet. I'm, I'm I'll take a few steps from the Wimhurst machine. I've been up with the Wimhurst at the moment. They're, they're fine. But these new Tesla ones should be online in the next week or two. Uh, oh, these yes. are the ones that can fry a man like, as you say, a piece of bacon. bacon. Oh, yes. I mean, they can they can produce voltages up to like, it's like being struck by lightning. Is that, is that what we're taking on the expedition? Oh, no. You can't get one of them on the astronaut. Huge right, things, good. Then. That's fine. No, these are just to make the material, the actual, uh, the R matter that, uh, that drives the ship. Right. So that's that, that's the end of the tour, presumably. No, he steps out towards oh, the uh, the yard, and you set out into the open, and there is something that's definitely going to excite you. This is... Uh, <laughs> Does it involve pistons? No, no, it good. is... <laughs> It's a, a huge cradle, big steel cradle, and resting in it, gleaming, mostly gleaming, in the, uh, the faint, weak Yorkshire sunlight, is the Astronef. <gasps> She's beautiful! Uh, the Astronef? Yep, all gleaming steel. There's a workman there pumping away at a, a, a sort of stirrup pump type hose arrangement, and he's hosing down some uh, sort of white, dusty material off the hull and shining it up. How big is the astronaut? Uh, it's pretty big, actually. If you think of a, um, a fair-sized yacht of the time, uh, not the sort of super yachts that you get now, but if you're thinking about a big, a big yacht. Um, in fact, I can probably send you a... Let's just have a look here. I can probably send you some 
actual plans of the astronaut. Is the cigar bit habitable, or is that all mechanics and, and mumbo-jumbo technical pokery? Do you live inside it, or do you live in the gondoly bit on top? That's what I'm trying to ask, yes. Both. Both. Right. Um, so it's more like a submarine than a Zeppelin yeah. in that respect. Right. This is a much, much bigger picture. This is 16K. Blimey. Right, that should be arriving with you soon, so you can have a look at it. So if you've got any questions. Uh, yeah, effectively... I'll just open it up so I can see it yourself. The, the top area, the glass-sided area, is the observation deck. Now, of course, you can walk around there. There are There is equipment and so on in there. And the conning tower is a kind of uh, navigational area, really. Underneath, you do actually have a, a saloon. The engineer lives down there, effectively. But that's the engines, the air purifiers, the galley, the bath, all that kind of stuff. So most of the time, people are going to want to be on the... Um, uh, the sort of observation deck because it's the only area you can really see out. There is a panel on, in the floor that you can retract that has a viewing panel. But, right. Um, as long as the steel shutters are down, not not in place, you can see out all the way around the observation deck. Because obviously it's got glass walls, you see. The observation deck? Yeah. Which you might is, is think that safe? is a problem. Of course it's safe. Right. I'll have a look at it, uh, says um, Jefferson. Lady Valentine's probably running forward and practically hugging the thing. You know. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you walk towards it, and it, you know, it is quite an amazing thing. The front That's end. It's not very ladylike behaviour, is it? The front end, you know, is uh, as you've obviously read the the stories, is uh, strengthened, reinforced, and shaped to be a ram. Because. Uh, Unlike Star Trek, you really do go to ramming speed in the astronaut, and you can attack another ship by directly crashing into it. With ramming, I've never understood that. Ram, what speed? Surely ramming speed is just put your foot down. What happens if you ram too quickly or too slowly? It just means hit them. Ramming too slowly means you just go thump, bounce, and you just have that embarrassing exchange of insurance details. Whereas if you Ramming too quickly isn't an issue, is it? I mean, well, exactly. It suggests there's a set speed above which you shouldn't go, but that presumably well, no, is not the think case. Think of it as a speed above which you should go in order to be ramming, but the actual ram- it's not like ramming speed is 95 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly, a notch, a mile per hour more. I think it's more of an issue if you've, if you've actually got slaves doing the rowing, to be honest, but I'm sure right. that's not why you've been invited aboard. <laughs> Yeah, um, no. So, so what's this bit at the bottom with all these shackles and a lot of oars? <laughs> and you walk, as you're walking towards it, it's very exciting. The other people with you are sort of going, oh, "I say, that's that's actually the astronaut, isn't it?" What a word. The um, the chat with you, um, Jefferson, he shouts, oh, "Jethro, sweep up that asbestos proper before it dries up and blows all over the yard." His lordship doesn't Jethro. want to see it. Mr. Tell. Jethro, yeah. <laughs> That's it's fine, carry on. Perfectly ordinary name. What, Mr. Tully? Yeah, for Cornwall. <laughs> well, he might be from Cornwall. But he's not. I'm going to go and talk to him and see where his accent is. He's, he's like. very busy washing the asbestos dust off. Asbestos dust off, perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what all Never the did me any harm. That's what all the white stuff is, but obviously when it, if it dries out, it blows about a bit and it's just inconvenient. I mean, you don't want yeah, white powder everywhere, do you? Um, yeah, the... They've uh, they've repacked the hull, uh, so the hull insulation is of course asbestos. 
so they shouldn't have any Wonderful. Trouble. Won't have any trouble with the air leaks now. That'll be fine. Safe as houses. No, oh, well, so they say. Jefferson, tell me, is the, is the, uh, the military not interested in this? I mean, with this device, you could bomb any city in the world. Oh, well, leave his lordship to that sort of thing. I mean, uh, he knows best. It's a, it's a private vessel, though. Obviously, he does have a lot of connections in government. That was a bit Jefferson, yours. Jefferson, can we go on board? We look round. It's, it's... We're going to be spending... How long does it take to get to the moon, Mr Jefferson? Oh, I'm not so sure. I don't really do the navigation. I'm sure his lordship will tell you. Um, you haven't got time to actually go on board, and of course there are people still working, but there's um, a sort of area at the side where you can walk up. On all, they've got kind of scaffolding uh, one side of it. So you can walk along and peer in through the observation deck. Oh, she's, she's running around a bit like a headless chicken going mental this thing going. He's pointing out these some of the changes they've made. You can't see down below, of course, but you can see that there are actually bunk beds on the observation deck now, which, you know, certainly wouldn't have been there before because there were only three people on before. So the chances uh, are you'll be sleeping on the observation deck. There's also a very, very large, um, rather technical piece of equipment, which Jefferson uh, informs you is the Marconi wireless transmitter. And it's got a whole bank of lead-acid batteries that it's connected up to. And in fact, there's a chap in there from the Marconi company uh, checking the connections and going black and white. Is that the good bit? Uh, yeah, uh, well, okay. not really. Sorry. It'll start crackling in a minute. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Over. <laughs> this is London calling. Uh, no, that's something different, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I will hand Lady Valentine my uh, handkerchief because she's actually drooling a little bit at this stage. Not not to keep the asbestos dust away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why would anyone bother about asbestos dust? Well, no, it's it's perfectly safe. I mean, you can't even set fire to the thing. How how safe can you guess? It's entirely possible that breathing in asbestos dust will actually make yourself more resistant to flames. True, it could be almost as healthy as smoking. Which is everyone well, knows, clears the lungs and gives you a, a lovely gravelly tone to your voice. Quite so. I used to love the ad- old ads that you can find for um, cigarettes in walking magazines of the 1930s. They're wonderful. All these healthy people sort of standing at the top of a hill holding a Craven A cork filtered cigarette. How are you supposed to suck anything through a cork filter? <laughs> Rhetorical. So the um, okay. the clerk, Mr. Rowland, uh, returns after a while, and um, you, you've basically seen everything you, you're going to get the chance to. So it's it's not you know, the whole tour by any means, but you, you're going to have training if you're successful. I, I might need and a you... bit of dragging away. Yeah, <laughs> terribly. <laughs> uh, I believe it's time for tea, Lady Valentine. Oh yes, um, yeah, I am feeling a bit overwrought. We, we're going to spend a long time on the astronaut, Lady Valentine. So, if you guess, there's really no need to. The tests, don't forget. I, th- I thought we were pretty much pre pre. Well, we went through to a marquee yeah. uh, on the lawn of uh, Redgrave Manor. Now, were it not for the fact that you know, obviously there's a factory just down the road, uh, you'd think this was almost like a, a summer tea party or something. It's a lovely white marquee, and inside the rows of folding chairs all laid out. And a little, Any tea? Little there's at the front. Um, and there's a, a sort of some over of, of tea uh, to one side, Hooray. which may possibly just have emptied by the time you get there. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, there are people handing out uh, lovely cups of tea, Wedgwood, of course. Marvellous. Good for the kidneys. And there's perhaps 20 or so other people there. 
who are quite clearly uh, candidates. So it really is the full bus full, and you know that you're not the only group. There is at least one more, and possibly more than that. So they're they're certainly looking at a lot of people. And there are how many people many are problems. going on the expedition? You haven't been told, but you you would be able to work out that it's very likely that. Well, it's almost certain Lord Redgrave will be going. It's quite likely that Lady Redgrave will be going, and Andrew Murgatroyd, who was the engineer on the first trip of the astronaut, almost certainly, because he's the most experienced engineer and space pilot there is. The only. Indeed, <laughs> he's the only. Right. Engineer Kinda want him uh, to Lord go. Lord Redgrave can pilot the ship, but the man who's, who really does baby the engines and look after the whole thing is Murgatroyd. So that's three people. Now, and how a, many berths are there on well, board the astronaut? Well, there's a night cabin, which would normally be where the Redgraves sleep. And the, the engineers' quarters are down there as well. They've put in what looked like perhaps half a dozen bunks. So there couldn't be more than another six people. Right. It could be fewer than that. So we're going to have to nobble the rest of the competition, is, is what you're suggesting. Well, maybe, maybe. I'm, um, sure they, your... I'm sure Lord Redgrave wouldn't have invited us if he wasn't expecting us. Well, to he, he invited now, us to One of Dr. Crowther's peculiarities that I haven't mentioned before is that he always carries a vial of strychnine around. Not a vial. Drive everyone off. Let's play the violin. A vial of strychnine. And he can't help notice there's a big canteen full of tea over there. So you'd no. like to start the adventure <laughs> by poisoning everything. Right. Firstly, the death penalty is still active in England at this period. Right. Secondly, there are an awful lot of witnesses. <laughs> and thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, you're being very silly. Okay. Carry on. Thank you. <laughs> uh, coming in through the door, Lord Redgrave walks in. You obviously recognise him. And uh, a lot of the chattering sort of stops, and there's just a bit of a murmur as, murmur as people look over expectantly. And he uh, he looks around, his moustache quivering with excitement, and his hands. <laughs> That's quite an together. image. Says, oh, thank you, thank you all for coming. I'm so sorry to have kept you, but as you might imagine, preparations are, are heading apace, and uh, we need to get through things very quickly. There's an awful lot to do in a very short time, so let me explain the situation uh, directly. Some of you will already know this, or may have guessed, but for those of you who have just read the advertisement and aren't quite sure of the specifics of our little uh, expedition, we are going to return to the moon. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, <gasps> the moon. Now, I'm sure you've all read, you've all read Mr. Griffith's um, somewhat fanciful account of our previous trip, but in essence, he was right. We found the Great Pyramid. There was clear evidence of a major civilization, but no survivors as far as we could tell in the short time we had to explore. We did in other areas find life uh, of a, a rather debased, dangerous and disgusting kind, but around the Great Pyramid, nothing at all. So it's the Great Pyramid area we're looking, from an archaeological viewpoint, uh, to actually explore. Well, now, was this a human civilization, Mr. Redgrave? Uh, certainly very human-like. Uh, did you say Mr. Redgrave? Uh, no. no, you didn't. <laughs> Lord you're not, Redgrave, you're not one sir. Of those Bolsheviks, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly human-like skeletons. You'll have seen some of the illustrations, I'm sure. 
Um, Quite. So they, they are going to have limited resources, and hopefully we'll be able to look at some other sites as well. But ultimately this is our main focus. What we're hoping to do is establish uh, a, a sort of plan for future expeditions to uh, approach this in a methodical fashion. At the moment we really need to focus on the one area, rather than just sort of going on a bit of a sightseeing tour. So, the important thing is that we don't have any accidents, we don't have time really for people to learn on the job as much as we'd like. So you'll be tested for your physical fitness and relevant knowledge of skills. Uh, you'll have seen the astronaut, you know that we've rigged her up for extra passengers. The number of bunks that we have added has unfortunately had to be dictated by our equipment. Uh, we only have six spare sets of the Redgrave dependable six breathing dress. That, that's people muttering, sorry, for the benefit of audience. Now, since there are so many eminently suitable candidates, we must narrow down the field considerably. Good luck to all of you, and may the best men win. And then he steps down and walks away. Uh, I suspect that the lady... Is it just going to be a big fight? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Roland steps up, and there are several other officials, people with clipboards, people uh, who are obviously nurses and so on and that. Uh, you're going to be spending a few days at Redgrave Manor. Uh, you have accommodations here. There is, a, there is a, an area set aside for you. So they're just going to run through some very quick tests, which will uh, will not game out one at a time throughout the entire procedure. By the way, it is possible to fail these and not get on the adventure, in which case you roll up another character. Oh. <laughs> yeah. True traveller style. Yeah. Yes, we could be here a while. <laughs> yeah. God, no, can we have some good. bennies before we start? <laughs> You're quite unlikely to actually die during. The I'm the only known zero gravity doctor specialist. Surely they would want me on there. Yes, but you, see, if you yourself aren't physically fit. If you're not up to the job, you'd be a liability. Well, I'll examine myself and I'll assure them that I'm physically <laughs> the marquee. <laughs> <laughs> right, the first thing, everybody uh, gets the opportunity uh, stepping through. There, there are several tents. There's a rather small tent for the ladies because there are very few ladies involved and uh, a large one for the gentlemen where you can change into um, your athletic outfit, which for the men, of course, means a crisp white short sleeve <laughs> shirt and uh, well ironed white trousers. The ladies is my, where's my waistcoat? Three petticoats. Just the sort of thing you'd be wearing for tennis. Yes. <laughs> um, so the first thing will be simply be 100 step ups. There's a, a little sort of bench put in front of you. Uh, followed by a check of your pulse, blood pressure, respiration, and that sort of thing. So uh, all we need to do then is if you could both. Um, just roll 2d6. Now, what's your God. body, Amelia? Um, three. But I also have athletic. Yep. Well, you passed the first one. Nick, what's your body? Three. Oh, you passed the first one as well. So you just get to the, the second test, uh, where both of you need to make a roll for me, please. <laughs> I wonder what I'll play next. Ten. Ten. <laughs> Ten. What did you get, Nick? Um, eight. Really? We both off the mission. <laughs> <laughs> we both keel over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm fine. Oh, no, this yeah. always happens. Oh, don't worry. I, I think my course is One of the doctors frowns rather <laughs> and makes, makes some notes. 
double checks the equipment because he can't believe his eyes that somebody is fit. Can't be that bad. Um, oh, well, this is. Um, hmm. Well, we'll it's to, beginners, we'll uh, beginners, bad luck. I, I'm yeah, a little nervous. I, I suspect that may be it. A little, a little over anxious. Um, have another run up, or just, just take a moment, have a, have a sip of tea, and uh, just, just have oh, another crack tonic. at it. Well, I don't think you want the tonic. <laughs> um, uh, do, do what, should we roll again? Roll. Yes, by all means. Woohoo! Four. Nine. <laughs> Nine. Right, Nick, so you'll be finishing the adventure on your own. I should point out that wireless communication is very limited and slow, so Amelia's participation is going to depend on how quickly she can <laughs> actually decode the Morse that we'll be using. Now, I have taken Morse code. So when, yeah. when it breaks down and you can't fix it, you'll think, I should have smuggled her on board. <laughs> That's exactly what, what you're it. suggesting I should put you in a massive suitcase. Yes. <laughs> I'll, so I'll vouch for you, Lady. You you've, um, you've taken Morse, Nick. I have taken Morse. Oh, what does this say then? I'm, I'm assuming you're insulting me in some way. <laughs> Would I be right in thinking that? <laughs> no. I'll tell you one thing though, the stop button doesn't work very well. <laughs> stop, you bastard. There we go. <laughs> That's of course the traditional cry of the Morse code. Uh, uh, well, it's it's interesting because Can I vouch <laughs> for no Lady SLS Valentine's health? Lady Valentine will get through this first stage. Um, her engineering knowledge is Remarkable. Well they're they're certainly <laughs> so modest to too. <laughs> It's it's not been a good day, and you're clearly not in the front runners. There are several people who are, you know, definitely sort of there, looking all fit. You get a feeling a couple of them are military men. Then there's a I must say, of... Lady Valentine, these tests are somewhat biased towards the. Uh, we obviously exercise our minds as much as our bodies. Some of these lunkheads, all they do is dance around a playground all day. Um, I'm saying it to you when we get a quiet cup of tea, when it's obvious we're not doing quite so well. You are clearly in the third tier. We, we, um, we, we must no, emphasise no. our our mental acuity as well as our. You're physical. doing fine, Doctor. Well, I said there are some of these uh, chaps seem to be a bit better endowed than me physically. You've you've effectively got four categories at the moment. There are the people who failed absolutely, and they're gone. It's that simple. They've been walked back. Take to, rather back to, shop. to the seizure. <laughs> <Yeah. right. laughs> well, They've the gone to a better stop. place. There is a sound a little bit like gunfire, but no. Um, there are the first string. They got through first time on every test, and there are a few of those. Um, Dr. Crowther falls into the second tier, where obviously things weren't looking great, but he's, he's made it through okay. Could try harder. And uh, Lady Valentine is in the... Um, about to be kicked off the mission category, but may possibly make it through. They're, they're a little concerned about the health side of things, but he, he's got to be strict. So you, you're not out just yet. But um, you might do better in the next test. Oh, now he's vanished. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're just, just talking dark, to the lava lamp. Just a dark room and a <laughs> lava lamp, which isn't even switched on. Good. 
probably some medical emergency, some appendicitis he has to deal with. <laughs> In that case, let's run you through the uh, the next test. Oh dear. <laughs> now, uh, you're presented with a, um, a red grave dependable breathing dress. Now, this isn't in fact exactly one of the ones that you'll be wearing uh, in space because they have to be fitted specifically for you. This is a sort of a, a test model on Earth, which is really much more like an ordinary diving suit with the um, the very heavy mouldy helmet with the sort of portholes in it, mm. the rubberized layered canvas um, and woven asbestos in the body and uh, the big backpack, chest piece, and so on. So it's much, much looser, baggier, and actually quite a bit heavier than the um, the ones you'd be using in space. But on Earth, that's fine. If it's a bit harder to work with, that's okay. They don't want you to just get to the moon and find that things are actually more difficult than what you've trained in. But this particular thing isn't, isn't to do so much with the training. Uh, you have to get into this outfit, so you're helped in. One of the nurses will help you along. And they put the... Um, the helmet uh, over the top of you. Can you just make a roll on your body, please? Mm -hmm. uh, nine. Nine? All right. Uh, you recognise the smell immediately. It's it's vomit, and it's not yours. Um, oh. You suspect that somebody has attempted to clean this, because there's also a, a rather harsh smell of carbolic. But um, that's definitely vomit. Oh, lovely. You, you remember it from your Deb's ball. Does the light come on? Is he back? He's back. Right. Now he's doing so, some sort of dance. The, um, the doctor asked Some a few questions. When you're inside this thing, you can't hear anything, you can't see anything, because they're putting uh, blindfold patches over the, the viewing ports. Oh, right. Um, and it's completely silent. You've got the sound of your own heartbeat. You've got your breathing is very, very heavy in here. It's getting very hot, humid. And it's not particularly easy to breathe because it's just, it is quite enclosed even though air is being cycled through it. You only get air into the upper portion, it doesn't go into the suit because otherwise on the moon the suit would inflate mm. and nobody wants that. So you're, you're stuck in there with this horrendous stench of vomit and carbolic and then suddenly you get a push slightly to one side of your head and you realise the doctor is plugging in the telephone cable which is like a bayonet fitting so it connects in. And then you hear, uh, uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you fine. Ah, splendid, splendid. Well, we'll just go over a few bits and pieces. Um, he asks you a few general questions, which are very, very simple for you. Uh, a couple of exercises just to ch check that you're thinking clearly, that sort of thing. You get through that without any problems. Right, well, let me just uh, lead you ahead, just a moment. And there's a click, and the telephone goes off, you're again in total silence, and you're being led forwards. You can't see anything, you've no idea where you're putting your feet, it's a little bit tricky. And then, it's an odd feeling, uh, You, if you weren't in a breathing outfit, you would know immediately that you've just been pushed into a huge pool of water. But of course you are, so things are a little more awkward. Would you roll uh, your mind, please, and tell me what your mind is? Oh, you're My better. mind is five. Ah. And I got six. Ah, right. Well, you'll be happy to know that you don't add to the smell inside there. Uh, you realise what they're doing. It's it, it, it's aimed at uh, disorientating you, and uh, you're sort of you know, almost thrown upside down as soon as you hit the water because it's, it's such a shock 
so you managed to get through that all right there's a, a tremendous feeling of claustrophobia nausea it's, it's not great but um you are through it you haven't vomited you're okay now they pull you out get you out of the suit it's obviously been very unpleasant but you've passed perfectly well meanwhile back in the original room uh, the doctor is waiting and after Having filled up on loads of tea. <coughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for the kidneys. It's just what you want if you're going to be in a suit. <laughs> Brilliant. Somebody... It might add to the buoyancy. Yeah, do you remember what happened to Houdini before his last performance? <laughs> Everyone dies, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you have to get into this suit, which is um, a sort of right, standard see. diving suit, really, not, not the full Redgrave dependent breathing address. And you put the, the helmet on, and sure enough, that smells like a combination of vomit and carbolic. Uh, delightful. Yeah, uh, it's really not pleasant at all. And then they plug the telephone uh, wire in there and start talking to you, and the communication's alright, back and forth. You can't see anything because they've blacked out the portholes, and then they tell you they're going to just lead you through uh, to the next room to start the test, and then they unplug the telephone. Seconds later, totally unexpectedly, you're pushed into a very large swimming pool. Would you just roll your mind, please? Well, I'm (laughs) extremely experienced at these sorts of things because we have actually got a prototype breathing apparatus in the laboratory uh, for. But I don't. I get a bonus for being a specialist in uh, this sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I have rolled a four, so have you? That's actually very good. Wow! Um, I told you I was a specialist. Absolutely keeping it all together. Uh, Just as with Lady Valentine, you've succeeded uh, this test without the slightest bit of difficulty, and it does seem to have allayed some of the fears with both of you that physically you're not up to it. I think they were rather expecting you both to bomb out badly at this stage. Well, as the doctor said, we have tried some anti-gravity stuff ourselves. Hmm. Yes, we, we have. I'd be intrigued to know how that went. <laughs> You've probably got like a huge centrifuge where just the servants yeah, run Yeah, strap them in the giant centrifuge and leave them there for a few hours. Wait, no, I'm the one who does the test. <laughs> Poor butler we strap the servants in. <laughs> Come on, Mrs. Smithers, faster. <laughs> well, as you're just getting back into your, your normal outfit, Doctor, and um, desperately trying to get the, the same... Which smells display, far less of vomit and carbolic acid. Um, at one point you hear what sounds like a very large splash, and then just as you're, you're tying your shoes back on, uh, a chap comes through with the breathing dress... Uh, and he's also got a, a mop and uh, a bucket in one hand. And he sort of looks oh at his head slightly and walks past. It's possible that one of the other applicants hasn't done quite as well as you two. <laughs> oh, what a shame. So the tests have basically led up to this final stage. You've gone through the physical tests and, uh, and your sort of mental fortitude, but finally there's, um, there's an interview. And the first thing you need to do, and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't just actually quickly uh, sort this out. Um, I'd like you to write 25 words or less on why you want to take part in the expedition. It's just like entering a Kellogg's competition. Is <laughs> right. that an engine Kellogg's in it? You know? <laughs> 
I should be on the Astroneff because if you could include I bought that, 30 boxes of Kellogg's. Include that with three box tops from any variety of Kellogg's cereal. <laughs> the rest of the questions are very straightforward. They ask you questions about the um, overall mechanics of space, flights, different archaeological bits and pieces. It's all stuff that you can do. Your own particular areas are focused on, and of course you are experts in whatever the hell it is you do, Lady Valentine. Um, um, so... See, look, look, see that, that's, that's the semi-professional writer straight away. He's probably even got his word counter thing telling him exactly <laughs> how many he's doing. He'll, he'll spell-check this before he reads it out. <laughs> but what if you're under pressure and using a fountain pen, eh? What then? I have got a fountain pen, actually. Um, and in conclusion, furthermore... Oh, I did mention, obviously, you're not allowed any hesitation, repetition... <laughs> no deviation! You don't know me at all! Um, um, I see now I've deviated from the whole thing. What am I doing? He's wandered into bribery. 25 completely random words. The word count oh, is that not what we're doing? I have lemming, popsicle, <laughs> interrogate. Um, I, I now you see you distracting me. Uh, <laughs> it's a pressure situation, Doctor. <laughs> Stop shaking me. Get that asbestos out of my face. Um, oh, it's too late for that. <laughs> but we won't know for years. Oh, Stop distracting me anyway. Uh, <laughs> You just went off earlier to refill your wine glass, didn't you? That's the only reason you left. I did also partake of a urinary um, evacuation. (laughs) (laughs) On the human nature system. It's only 25 words, yes. One, two, three, I can put another word in. Well, I'm very um, sorry, Doctor, but you... <laughs> uh, I'll just end with in it. Like any good Edwardian. Yes, exactly. Isn't it? You, sh- you should, of course, have left... Oh, that's two words. For God save the king. <laughs> I want to be on the astronaut because God save King George and all who sail in her. Uh, right, I'm. I've finished. Have you finished there, Amelia? Um, yes. Is this why we want to be on the mission, <laughs> or why like we should first, be on the mission? Then? Who'd like to? Say? Are we saying it or emailing you? <laughs> no, I think, you, I think you're from from the point of view of this being an audio game. I think perhaps. Oh no. <laughs> they both know what the competition's like. I feel like I'm in a bad interview. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, I think I've got 20 words. Um, Who's I feel counting? My... You are. <laughs> I feel my engineering and scholastic experience would benefit the expedition greatly, especially my recent experiments in R-force mechanics and R-matter handling. And Dr. Crowley. She's got you there. I should be on the astronef because I am the world's leading, in fact, only expert on gravitational disturbances on the human circulatory system. Oh, very good. Very good. 
two <laughs> very specialist areas there. Quite right. So no practical experience of anything in particular, and both both very theoretical. Well, we, you only had twenty-five words. I didn't have time to I've mention got the experiments in awfulness mechanics. Yes, we we both spent the last year investigating the effects of our force on various guinea pigs, small rodent servants, servants. And, <laughs> <laughs> and in one very unfortunate no, uh, occasion, the housemaid. Yes, but she was easily. Paid Haven't off. seen Vicar recently. <laughs> you used to pay off the housemaids. That happens all the, the, the family time. of the housemaid was uh, was <laughs> was very quickly paid off. Well, uh, after all this. And uh, after you obviously cleaned yourselves up and uh, had a bite to eat and so on, you, you gathered in to a room in Redgrave Manor, and you can't help noticing that there aren't many people left. Uh, you seem to have been narrowed down to what could well be the full complement of the crew. Are there any other women, stage. or is it just Lady Redgrave? D- uh, well, you haven't seen Lady Redgrave yet. There's just you. But um, Surely cer- not. Certainly nobody would ask a, a lone woman to go on board, so that would seem... Uh, highly unlikely. Well, so you, you suspect uh, there's someone else. Possibly. Think of the consequences. It'd be ridiculous. Why, yes, I mean, men wouldn't be able to control themselves, would they? And it wouldn't be their fault, good God, no. It wouldn't. <laughs> Probably wear an ankle-length skirt. <laughs> Zero gravity. <laughs> so, you're in there with uh, three other people. And then Lord and Lady Redgrave come in. And, uh, oh, it's you, Mr. and Mrs. Know, Redgrave. You, of course, know who they are and naturally stand, don't you? Uh, Bolshevik. Of course. And, you, and everybody, I curtsy. Everybody can introduce themselves and get to know each other. Uh, essentially, the, the crew is going to consist, of course, of uh, Lady Redgrave, um, photographic specialist, and, of course... Uh, one of the very few people with actual experience of the moon, uh, myself, uh, we'll go for it, of course. Uh, we'll be taking along Andrew Murgatroyd, uh, chief engineer, uh, the finest uh, engineer and pilot when it comes to... Uh, Only. You're quite. And uh, coming with us, we've got uh, Lady Valentine. Ro- is it oh, Roger okay. Murgatroyd? <gasps> Lady Valentine, congratulations. Thank you. No, it's, it's Andrew Murgatroyd. Uh, there's also uh, Lieutenant Victor Bates of the Royal Marines, and uh, a young man, he's in his mid-twenties, very much the, the soldier. Uh, he, he stands up and sort of politely bows to you. There's, Good afternoon, uh, Lieutenant Bates. That's a delightful red shirt you're wearing. Left him. He's not actually wearing his tunic. <laughs> OK. That isn't, Just saying. that isn't standard kit everywhere, you know. They don't always wear a white... Solar topi and a red tunic. Okay, just I'm just suggesting. Zulu one too many times. <laughs> <laughs> chin, chin. Silly hat. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Bates, as well as being a soldier and obviously very used to uh, the sort of privations and difficulties of an expedition, is an amateur speleologist and is on leave and able to join that us must be dreadfully painful. in the Boer War. Uh, Dr. Albert Gusseridge. He uh, is taking the role of the expedition surgeon and doctor. Oops. He's, what? <laughs> he's also uh, a naturalist and indeed was the first doctor to have removed a gallstone in Matabele land. Oh, well, I'll get him with his fancy gallbladder <laughs> technique. 
Sorry, finally, did I say that out loud? Finally, <laughs> Professor George Ips, the Egyptologist, um, a veteran of numerous excavations in the Middle East, and will be exploring uh, his theories of similarities between the Egyptian and the Lunarian pyramids, and looking for evidence to see that, uh, that perhaps the two are tied together, and that there may have been some connection with the civilizations. And oh, and uh, Dr. Crowther, uh, who has made a specialist study of the Ruffles Susan paper, uh, uh, an entirely new field of, of research to do with uh, gravitational effects on <sighs> the human system, who will be overseeing things from here. No, who what? will be joining us on the... Who's to be having I'm sure, t- to be fair, I, d- I don't know that there's any requirement for Two physicians. Well, one of them um, may be injured. He's not a physician, he's a surgeon. Yeah, sore bones. <laughs> you could, I mean, to be fair, you could literally train a monkey to to operate. He's so, a I fellow suppose. of the Royal College of Surgeons. I'm sure he is. <laughs> and we all know what they're like. He's also a naturalist, so he's the man to ask if you actually... Oh, wait, what, in front of the lady? If, oh, you, sorry. if you actually want to train uh, you a train monkey to be a surgeon... <laughs> He probably has. <laughs> he would be a man. He is probably the most well-qualified man to undertake that training. So well, I'm not actually the ship's doctor? Uh, well, you are a doctor. I mean, the thing is, it's potentially quite a hazardous situation, and nobody knows what you're going to face. The fact that you're a doctor isn't the main reason why you've been brought on board. It's the fact that you're a doctor and that you've studied and created, indeed, a, a special area of, uh, of interest. And the, to be the honest, main reason for doing so is that no one can tell me when I'm wrong. The two of you were terribly, terribly helpful um, in a previous thing. He knows that he can rely on you. And although some of the test results weren't 100%, he, he's prepared to uh, to accept that that might have been a bit of a, a bit of a flub. Well, I think I can speak for Lady Valentine when we uh, are, say that we're honoured to be joining you on the, on the astronef. We are very grateful. Yeah, it's Thank you, Mr. Uh, Lord Redgrave. Well, um, sorry, I've been calling it Redgrave Manor, it's Smeaton Manor, but it doesn't matter. Um, after this, and after you have dinner and so forth, several days of training start. Uh, you're given excellent uh, quarters in the, the guest quarters at Smeaton Manor, which is, say, just down the road from the, uh, the Smeaton Works, so you can go between the two if anything's need to, needed to be checked to give you familiarity with the astronef, that sort of thing. Uh, does anybody have the pilot skill? No. no. Okay, I was thinking fine. of learning it if I get the chance. Yeah, it's it's tricky if you start from scratch. Mm. Oh, so how long I've until got we go? Scholarly oh, it's a matter of days. So, matter of days. They're, they're just getting the astronaut set, and, uh, and then it's you've really got to rush because of the timing of, of the moon's position and so forth and other. Um, Astronomical considerations. Right. If, if you miss this opportunity, yes, you can you can go, but it means potentially using up some extra resources. It can increase the travel time. Have to use more of the power because there's there's not a limitless amount of power. You see, you can get stranded without fuel. Oh, brilliant! Nobody wants that. They nearly fell no. into the sun on the way back uh, from their honeymoon. <laughs> Do you know we once landed on the sun in a traveller game? I don't think RGM was particularly strong, really? <laughs> particularly strong with his astrophysics. Ah, but you have to understand that the the sun it's not hot all the way through. You see, sunspots are actually gaps in the very very hot sort of um, corona, the solar sphere. 
And if you go through them, it's a habitable world underneath. Is that true? No, but that was a, 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 an actual genuine scientific yes, theory. <laughs> okay. Until people pointed out that the sunspots might be the cooler bits that you can see, but cooler is relative when you're talking about yes. four and a half thousand degrees. A cool bit of the sun is still rather hot. Yes, but there's a there's a, a story through the sun in an airship. Hopefully, not a hydrogen airship. I <laughs> just add fuel to the fire. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't even be a blip, would it? No. <laughs> But that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, can I spend those days familiarising myself with the workings of the the suits that we got to wear? Funny you should say that, because one of the things that you'll be doing on the uh, rather splendidly laid out and rolled lawns of uh, Smeaton Manor... Um, oh, it does say the Redgrave Mansion. Anyway. Uh, you will be wearing a, uh, an old rubber and canvas diving suit with a knapsack full of bricks and some lead weights attached to your feet and walking backwards and forwards and trying to go through obstacle courses and undergo various technical things, they're still measuring you up for the the actual suits that you'll be wearing. I, I was led to understand we would on. actually be lighter on, on the moon rather than heavier. Yes, but because there are other considerations and the suits are slightly different and the gravity is different, this is to simulate the difficulty of operation rather than the fact you'll actually be heavier. Right. It's an approximation, okay. of course, Doctor, but I'm sure in your own experiments you haven't been able to actually accurately simulate zero gravity. Well, we've come very close with uh, various... Well, a couple of times we definitely techniques. levitated the housemaid. I mean, it was... Uh, absolutely. It was just unfortunate. Well, I say levitated. <laughs> we forgot to do it indoors. <laughs> yes, that sounds like such a euphemism. I've been levitating the housemaid. <laughs> Centrifuge in the guinea pig, know what I mean? Uh, the end of these exercises, and this goes for both of you, I'm afraid, you are absolutely drenched with sweat, because obviously it's not the most breathable of outfits. Oh, no, no, la- ladies unladylike. don't sweat with glow. No, I was going to say you that's tremendously unladylike. You are drenched with glow. <laughs> <laughs> glow is dripping up, practically pooling at your feet. Uh, and you'll be happy to know that the, the man training you is none other than Andrew Murgatroyd himself, who is possibly the gloomiest, most pessimistic man you've ever met. And he's constantly telling right. you that, frankly, you're, you're going to come to no good end and uh, you shouldn't be on this expedition. And if you don't and pay attention... he's our pilot. He's the engineer and pilot. He's the engineer. I mean, Lord Redgrave normally actually does the controlling bits. But, yes, you are completely relying on... If anything happened to Murgatroyd, you'd have serious problems. Well, I'm, of course, learning as well, much as I can about hands-on, you know, astronaut engineering. Yes, you're going to have a very limited time to have any practical experience, and he's certainly not going to let you have a, you know, a, a, just a quick go while you're actually out. Not, not a quick fly around the yard. It's too dangerous. Uh, while it would be very useful to have somebody who can be a bit of a backup, really they're thinking that with Lord Redgrave's knowledge and Murgatroyd's that if something did happen to one of them, the other would yeah. be able to get you back to Earth. The other problem, though, is not controlling the ship, which you can get the hang of with a, a little bit of practice. It's things like the calculations involved in actually getting where you're supposed to be going. Well, yeah, I've got navigation and astronautics. You, you've got a head for this sort of thing, haven't you? Be Very fun. useful indeed. Can I check the medical supplies on board the astronef and make sure... How long's the trip going to be? Have we learned Ooh, that yet? Uh, a little while, yeah. Uh, certainly. Gosh, I can't remember, actually. Um, whoops. Hang on. 
Well, let me just see if it happens to say in here. Okay, I'll ask Murgatroyd how long it will take us yeah, to get to the moon. You can ask as many of the NPCs as you want. <laughs> and while I'm asking him... I'm not actually going to answer until I find out. Um, I say, Lady Valentine, everyone else here seems to have gone into a complete trance and standing still without saying a single word. I'm flat out on the lawn, uh, panting like mad with the sweating. The, the you're looking, you're looking incredibly healthy, Lady Valentine. You have to yeah. glow about you. It's probably it's very glowing. Uh, <laughs> blah blah blah. Hard work, isn't it? Places, everybody. Complimentary Americans. Oh, do we get a complimentary American? <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, on the pillow. fiery death. Um, what? Wait, what? What was that one? What? What? Marconi's gone to fiery death. Okay, okay good, good. Return journey. Yeah. So, um, not not that long at all. And um, wonderful. Let me just quickly send you these details of the suits. All very exciting, isn't it? So they're they're basically diving suits, are they? The ones we're practicing in are. Yeah. Kind of. I'm sure that wouldn't actually work for some reason. Are you? Why, why have all well, I'm not. No, Dr. Crowther is not in the least bit. They're, they're specially designed. I mean, they're, they're not exactly the same as diving suits. Oh, if they're specially designed. Woven asbestos, uh, laminated with, you know, rubber and canvas. Okay, on right. its way to you now. So you can actually have a look at the things. And uh, I think you'll agree that um, you, you couldn't have better equipment than this. You can talk to one other person because you connect a, a wire between the helmets, uh, plug it in at each end, and you'll be able to communicate. But obviously you can't then walk very far away from one another. Is there not some kind of Marconi device we can fit to these? Nope. Okay, fine. I mean, I don't understand these things, but I... I well, on a, uh, you, you think you could carry a Marconi device? Good God, no. There's one on board the astronaut, but it, I mean, it's a big piece of kit. Well, I've been walking around with bricks in my knapsack. Or... Batteries to power it. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know such thing. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. Ah, that's the spirit. I'm sorry, Mr. Murgatroyd. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. We haven't got a Jim. Now, the other thing that you need to do, um, you, you get through the tests on the, uh, the apparatus reasonably quickly. Uh, you haven't done too bad. Lady Redgrave is indeed going to be coming with you, and one of the things she's doing involves the photography. But, of course, these are quite fragile pieces of equipment using glass photographic plates. Uh, very cumbersome. She's got uh, three cameras. There's the full-plate camera, and then there are two quarter-plate cameras, which are much handier, comparatively speaking, to carry around and to use. But because they only use a quarter-plate, you have to enlarge the photograph a great deal. So the quality of the result isn't anywhere near as good. But they're all very diffi uh, difficult to use, and the particular problem is going to be in terms of flash photography, which is almost certainly a requirement, because you can't use a normal flash on the moon. Because a normal flash at this period is something you actually set light to, and it won't burn without oxygen. Uh, luckily, flash powder. Luckily, Lord Redgrave has the solution in the form of the soon-to-be-patented Lord Redgrave incendiary photographic flare. 
He's got this all stitched up, hasn't he? He's, he's got a load of patents. He's a good man. Yeah. He's a good man. This is based on Professor Rennick. Rennick is the man who invented or discovered the R-Force. You will, of course, be aware. Uh, but he, now he's he dead developed. now, isn't he? He's dead, yes. He died in potentially mysterious circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a wonderful thing in I wasn't his physician, can I point the, out The author has given you basically Two options Based on the reading of the book Just depending how you read it, not changing any facts Lord Redgrave is either As he's supposed to be Or he is in fact an extremely devious man Who basically <laughs> drove Rennick To his death has married his daughter so he'll have access to all of the... He does seem to be doing quite well out of all of this. I haven't read all of the book yet. He's doing pretty well in advance, but it's just nice. It gives you the option of having Redgrave as being a a real bastard, like an an almost evil universe twin, or a a thoroughly decent fellow. Uh, And you're not telling us which which Lord Redgrave we're dealing with. I'm not telling you for amusing. That's right. Well, we get stuck on the moon. We know which version. (laughs) I've been sent a photograph of these remains outside the pyramid. Can I study them and see if I feel they're genuine human... Because this is a photograph, isn't it? So can I see if that's human anatomy? Lord and Lady Redgrave are lying about the fact they discovered the moon. No, no. Are you people working with Reverend Green who don't believe they went to the moon at all? (laughs) <laughs> I'm a member of the yes I am still there of the Capricorn One group um, no I <laughs> staged in a warehouse around the back of the, fl- around the, back of the factory I, I just want to study the photograph and see because they said they were human like I want to see if there are any obvious differences between human anatomy and the beings they found on the moon well you've got the picture there can you spot any obvious differences well, I'm not medically trained. Oh, oh. they're yes, sure. they're quite <laughs> they're quite large, but not they are big, not aren't enormous. They? I mean, it looks like perhaps with a lower gravity, something like that, that might account for them being a little larger than human. But overall, they are very human-like. You don't think they would be vastly different as creatures? Sorry to loom. No, it's all right. All we're getting is the top of your head, which is a little bit... Oh, I do apologise. We're talking too far. You need to draw them two of the lives. <laughs> <laughs> so all we're getting is they are rather big. Yeah, but not... Well, there's a femur. But you do know that they, they met uh, people on Mars, of course, who were, what, about eight or nine feet tall before Redgrave shot them. Quite right, too. He was provoked. I think you'll find if you read that story that he, he was absolutely provoked and wasn't at all overreacting when he opened up the Gatling guns and <laughs> uh, mowed down the entire crowd. Did he call it old painless when he turned it on? And um, rammed one of their, their ships in flight, killing the entire crew. Which version of Redgrave have we got? Just, <laughs> just out of interest. That's just what happened in the story. Okay, well, it, this all seems... of course, that Griffiths was exaggerating a touch, you know. You can always ask Lord Redgrave how evil he is. <laughs> no, I, in my experience, evil people are cunning and will often deny quite how evil they are when you ask them outright. In your experience? <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> asking people how evil they are. <laughs> yeah. Usually, people aren't very ready to admit how evil they are. That's £47, love. Now, I want to buy these groceries from you. Before I hand over the money, just answer me this. How evil a cashier are you? <laughs> oh, I'm very evil. I'll Don't probably undercharge you. Oh. <laughs> right. Anyway, the Redgrave incendiary flare. Now, 
you've got to pay attention because you're basically, you know, those old-fashioned diving suits with the big gloves and all the rest of it. You're wearing one of these, and it's you are being asked, asked to use some. Well, it's not exactly an explosive. It's possibly worse than that, because this appears to be flare. a cardboard tube, painted orange at one end and white at the other. So it's a firework. You. Well, no, because you can't light it, can you? This is the problem. Right. So what you have to do is crush the orange end of the tube. If you crush the other end, nothing happens. And that will break a glass vial inside. Obviously, you don't want that to break before... Before you crush the tube, right. Wonderful. That then soaks certain chemicals through some felt inside. And then after somewhere in the region of five to ten seconds they spontaneously ignite and set fire to the uh, the generator of oxygen, set fire to the strips of magnesium inside, and you will have a blindingly bright light for maybe as much as half a minute. It's extremely hot, about the size of a, a really fat stick of dynamite, and it's certainly hot enough to burn through a, a breathing dress, possibly even the helmet of one, but it couldn't burn through something like the hull of the astronaut. Can I have a look at their risk assessment for this? Their what? Sorry? Their risk <laughs> assessment. Yes, they'll just dust the asbestos off. It's a <laughs> well, so are we all expected to be taking photographs? Is that the... Well, they want to test everybody out with this, so the, uh, the other guys are going to have a go. And it's essentially the people who do the best will be given the better equipment and so on, and everyone else will be on a backup camera if necessary. But they're only the, the three cameras. So um, what I'd like is... Does anybody have any photography skills or anything? Yeah. Um, no. Right. no. Well, here's, here's how the practice... I am a marksman. Here's how the practice session works. Uh, you've got to load a plate. This is all done in complete darkness, by the way. You've got to load the plate... Uh, take a photograph, which involves sort of setting off a flare, and then store the plate afterwards. And if any of those areas are messed up, you've lost the photo. They're, they're extremely right. fragile. We're, we're talking relatively early days of photography here uh, to get a good picture. So, what I'd like you to do is take the average of your body and mind, oh, rolled it against difficulty five. Now, did, have you got the character sheets with difficulty? Do we round up or down? Uh, you round up. Okay, good. Sorry, what? Do I want to go then? It's body and mind, the average of those two. So I have four, yeah. Okay. And you're rolling it against the difficulty of five. So if what does that mean? That He's means got the table. on the chart gives you an eight or less. And what was your result? What's your score? Uh, I'm f- I round up to four. So, right, so you're both trying to roll eight or less. Eleven. I'm rolling six continually on this dice this evening. We both suck. Um, I'm changing dice. Have you you both got a mind of five, did you say? I've a mind of four and a body of three, so I round up to... So, Amelia, could you just make a roll on your mind, please? I'm changing dice. Something's bad. Ah, Well, no, you've worn out all the sixes out of it. Seven. Seven, okay. Largely better. Uh, I uh, oh nine. Okay. And, and my um, mind is four. The third stage, taking the plate out, storing the plate, is the same. Why? <laughs> We've uh, already ballsed up the rest of it. Not as far as you know. Uh, that's the average of okay. body and mind again. So it's it's uh, the four that you're. Oh so well, I get it. snake eyes this time, so I do that perfectly. Right, and Amelia. Um, sorry again. <laughs> oh dear. 
So Amelia well. falls in the swimming pool. Yes, 12. Amelia does. Yes. Twelve. You've actually rolled a twelve. Yes. <laughs> oh god. So they they run through the uh, the uh, results. I tread on the camera. Um, loading the plate correctly. Did we both fail that? Yes. yes. Right. So. They're not letting me near any of this equipment ever again. Calculated <laughs> incorrectly. So the fact that I believe the doctor then successfully took a photograph was rather. No, I fun. failed that as well. Oh, I thought you got the photograph. Did he take a picture? No, of his I, I rolled a ten. I just <laughs> didn't fail quite so spectacularly it's, as a me. So it's Lady Valentine who succeeded, and one of you succeeded at the second. No, no, we oh. both failed the second. We both failed the first two rolls. I failed all of them. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Uh, so Lady, Lady Valentine then failed to put the plate in. I have Babbage engine, does that help at Didn't all? take the lens cap off, um, <laughs> messed up the, got the flare, the flare went off, and then by the time it had burnt out, you'd gone to take your photograph. Took and a at the end, finger, yeah. pulled the plate out and put it away as, as you thought, and there was the, the sound of the tripod-mounted camera keeling over to one side and a rather glassy crunch as it hit the floor. So in the end, Our engineer, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Lady, lady hey, I'm flying with engines. The <laughs> retrograde will be doing the photography. And the, t- the two backup cameras are going to be handed to... Um, I did succeed spectacularly in inserting the plate, taking the plate back out again. Yeah. Um, Largely because I hadn't put it in right in the first that, place. That was unfortunately... <laughs> You know, forgetting to shut the door and so uh, Dr. Gutteridge and Professor Ips will be given the quarter plate cameras and hopefully um, Lady Redgrave has great faith in their the being able to repair the other camera in time for the flights. Damn it, Redgrave, I'm a doctor, not a paparazzi. I can probably help you mend it. I don't think you can. <laughs> good hands, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm really good at mending things. On the plus side... <laughs> That's largely because you're also really good at breaking them in the first place. If you'd rolled a 12 on the second part of it, you would probably have set the flare off and just held it. <laughs> so so this, this, is, this is well done. Now, um, you'll all be given a little bit of further theoretical instruction in the cameras, but you're not going to be allowed to touch them again. You may <laughs> oh, have to use some of this well, uh, we tried our best. We no, didn't think we'd be photographizing. You see, the purpose of all this kind of stuff isn't just to sort of, you know, hilariously fail some rolls and so on. It's to not just hand you a list of what's on board the ship. I mean, obviously yes. there is a list of what's on board the ship, but it's to make sure that you're aware of all the bits and pieces you might have that maybe will come in useful that you might need to use later. Um, the next stage, for example, is Morse code and radio uh-huh. Now, I have radio Nick, communications knowledge. So I mend it, but I haven't got Morse. You haven't got Morse, right? And Nick, no. do, you, do you take Morse? I do. I have it at level five. Bloody wow. hell. Right. So, what this means, is that effectively, is that um, Dr. Crowther uh, turns out to be a bit of a whiz on the old Morse code. And uh, although he he can set the, th- set the thing up, he probably couldn't repair it if there's a major problem, but you would at least have a, a better go at it than someone who didn't know anything. So that includes the, the operation of the Marconi machine as well as I the... I could get the Marconi working thing. You have to be given specific instructions in the Marconi because, of course, there are no standardised designs, no standardised parts. So what would happen is, if any, somebody had completely disassembled everything or there was a, a catastrophic crash that involved repairs, 
that's not going to happen there. couldn't put that together. But I could. Whereas it's quite possible Lady Valentine could. However, once Lady Valentine had assembled, it's beyond you because you don't know Morse code at all. No. So even if you know what you're supposed to do, you can't do a transmission because you don't know the code. Uh, whereas the doctor can. But I'd know to look for the manual. Operational. <laughs> yeah. Once it, it's in, once it's actually able to be used, the doctor can set the frequencies, check the antenna, all that kind of stuff, and send the. It, uh, Morse code uh, in this game, it's not just Morse. No. You also understand semaphore, uh, heliograph, you know, all sorts of different types of communication like that. Mine. It's, not, it's not a specific. We're not so do... I'm the Uhura. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to do so much. Oh, dear. <laughs> horrible, get on horrible image. That's... We need to move it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's look forward to the uh, first kiss with the science officer then. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose that makes you Scotty, <laughs> Lady Valentine. Um, What's particularly uh, worrying is the science offer is probably Dr. Albert Gutteridge. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I was just getting fixated on the mini dress and it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now, there's the the um, <laughs> the suggestion in the game that I might like to compose a few Morse messages and you know perhaps test test you on that. But, um... No. You know I actually don't know Morse code. <laughs> I do know that, yes. But I'm but, sure uh, if you included them, somebody would listen to the audio and tell you what they are. <laughs> I know SOS. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll oh, see if anyone... useful, because nobody uses it. It hasn't been invented yet. That won't be no. around for another four years. The Germans <laughs> Right. It. Okay. Um, they was, t- the... was Titanic genuinely the first SOS call? No. No, it wasn't. No, Titanic was year. Uh, 1906 was uh, SOS was introduced. The Germans had been using it for a while. Right. And Titanic, you because Titanic was British, they were still um, not using SOS all the time. Plus the fact that Marconi was they provided the, the equipment and they tended to use their own thing. So it was CQD. So Titanic was was uh, issuing its distress call the CQD CQD. Oh, it didn't actually use SOS. It did use SOS. But that Eventually. was because the um, the junior wireless operator suggested they try using that new SOS thing as well. So they started yeah. alternating. I see. So does that mean that SOS actually means something in German rather than save our souls? It doesn't mean save our souls, that's, that's a backronym. Um, I don't think it means anything in German specifically. I'd have to look that up, to be honest. It's, it's like right. C- CQD... Um, that comes. They, they would have been using CQ. Uh, it's all a bit complicated. CQ means basically all stations are receiving this, and they realised yeah. that if you were at sea, that that was completely useless because uh, land stations weren't going to be people you wanted to communicate with. So they invented CQD, but that doesn't come in until after 1902 either. So what you would actually be doing in the effect, in the event of, uh, and of course you're not at sea, but in the event of the Mayday transmission, what you actually have to do is time. Mayday. Right. Uh, then, of course, the, the problem, of course, with any kind of um, emergency rescuers transmission is that we are on board the only spaceship ever been invented, anyway. So ah, but rescue is unlikely to come and help. The Marconi Company. Um, you will, in fact, be testing. This is very important. This is another reason why you're on there as the wireless operator, because they that will be testing transmissions from the moon and from space to ah. Earth and receiving. They have a mile-long aerial that is going to be unwound from the back. This can only be done in flight, of course. 
um, to test some transmissions, and this is a vital part of the operation. It's possibly what just managed to sneak you in there after your reporting test results. Uh, right, the first recorded use of SOS was in 1909. There you go. Ah. So, presumably SOS is just because it's the easiest it's one not to even pick a, up from Morse code. It's not even an it's acronym, just, it's just the nine it's just the, digits. It's apparently that was the recognised signal. It can also be VTB, which apparently gives the same sequence. The same sound, okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah, Those the, of you um, who are interested in it, look up in the Oh, it gets, it yes. gets, well, it's, we're it's learning. That, because if you're on a ship and you're sending uh, sort of things are going really, really badly, but this isn't an absolute emergency, then you actually send a pan-pan <laughs> signal. You don't send an SOS. You send a what signal? Pan-pan. Pan-pan? Pan-pan. If you were, if you got a pan-pan signal, would you know what the hell they were talking about? <laughs> Some sort of squash? <laughs> Anyway, um, just in case anyone who knows Morse or has access to some exciting uh, computer software is, is uh, listening to this uh, on RPG MP3. never been so insulted in my life. <laughs> oh, I find that hard to believe. Um, no prizes are awarded for... <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the, the main problem with that transmission is that by the time this thing is put on the board, I'll have forgotten what I've just typed into the thing. <laughs> so please don't ask me what that actually said, but I'll be very impressed if anybody actually gets it. In which case, I apologise, and I've never even met your mother. <laughs> So, you've successfully managed to get through all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can actually send you a table of uh, Morse if you need to read up for the next... It might be a vital part of the next adventure. What, I have to know everything my character knows now? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's okay. the way we're going to do it. The, uh, I've been the, it, I've the been it. None of this role-playing business. Be good. Yes. <laughs> so, the, I'll just quickly run through the, the equipment, but I can send you the list of this... Um, need to refer to it. So you've got surveying equipment that's obviously there and the, the, the transit eyepiece has been modified so you can actually use it while you're in the breathing dress. Um, five 100 foot coils of rope uh, which can hold up to a ton, 50 climbing spikes, balls. 10 each mm. of pickaxes, hammers, crowbars and spades. There are four wheelbarrows you'll be thrilled to know. Four um, wheelbarrows? Yeah. Well you might have to uh, transport uh, samples or things like that to and from the site. But they'll be very light. You didn't know that. Things might, you know, that's not totally weightless. There is gravity. Uh, okay. A block and tackle and supporting tripods, two portable arc lights, 50 flares of the red grave pattern, 12 tins of white paint <laughs> and brushes. Now, before you ask, what? those are for marking paths through tunnels oh. and things like that. <laughs> I We're not see. just going to give the astronaut okay. a quick paint job when we get there. <laughs> uh, this will excite you. There are 12 small blackboards and 12 packets of chalk. Can you guess what those are for? We uh, for writing, for talking to each yeah. other when we're wearing these suits. Yes, because although you have 200 foot coil of telephone cable, which can be split between people, unless you're plugged in to someone, you can't talk to them, and you can't talk to anyone on the astronaut. You have to show a signal through that. If nobody's looking out, 
you kind of have to bang on the door <laughs> in order to get them to come to <laughs> the That semaphore's going to come in if really we, useful. <laughs> if we touch helmets, can we hear it? Like, if we put the heads together, can can we hear the voices through that? Oh, Does that work? I wouldn't have thought so. Okay. Sounds absurd, right? Uh, I don't know that I would have come up with that. Now, most most excited of all, uh, most exciting of all, Lord Redgrave has also, of his own design here, he specially built ten clockwork detonators for oh, the God. pneumatic cannon shells uh, with which the astronef, you know, is equipped. It is, does, of course, have its famous pneumatic cannons that we use so effectively against the Martian scum. Uh, this will allow <laughs> the cannon shells to be used as a, a blasting explosive if necessary. Now again, you can't use conventional explosives because you can't set them off in a, in a um, vacuum. Nobody's invented an electrical detonator yet. You can't set fire to a, a fuse because it will just not go. It won't burn without air. There are no self-oxidating fuses. So, considering the unreliability of chemical timers, as you have discovered with his flares, which can take anywhere from sort of you know, five to ten or more seconds to actually activate. Uh, these are clockwork timers. He's not going to assemble any of these until they're needed. The, idea, the hope is that you won't have to blow anything up. Right. Okay? I didn't tell you this at the beginning. In a hurry. Most people say they want to play something else, then, if you tell them that things aren't <laughs> going to be blown up. And if there's anything you think might be very, very useful, he will take it into consideration, any other equipment that comes to mind. There wasn't any medical supplies. Uh, that take place. it for granted that there are some medical supplies. Do we have any sort of Babbage engine on board? They're very useful for astronaut navigation. And Babbage well. engines are very, very large. Well, um, I'm, I would have no thought you might have device. your own adapted version. No, but at the moment, most things are kind of slide rule and, um, you know, hours of... Uh, rather difficult computations by which time the emergency has usually hit you rather hard. <laughs> um, um, do we have any, uh, without being crude, any weaponry? Uh, some hand weaponry, well, there were perhaps? Rifles in the photo. Uh, yes, you'll be able to take a shotgun, elephant gun, as it were. And um, some, now, perhaps some hand stage, weapons. How do they work in a vacuum? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> don't they require some kind of igniting? Possibly. And powder. <laughs> in fact, as long as it's not a muzzle loader, I believe it will work. This is a right. this is a mistake in Firefly. Oh yeah, the whole thing about sticking with soup because it needs yeah. yeah yeah that's actually not true. I think mm. I believe it's true with a like a seventeenth century muzzle loading rifle where it actually has <laughs> to burn powder. Um, but a relatively modern firearm will fire. Mm. Um, but I mean the, the the cannon on board the astronef are pneumatic anyway, so that's not an issue. Uh, are we going to take any medical specimens as well, presumably, to bring back to study? Speci- ah, well, now of course there are the the humanoid creatures and the, uh, the the lunar polyps that prey on them, but they're, you're not planning to go down into those deeper areas where some oxygen still appears to linger, and where those creatures live. So at the moment, no. It looks like the if you find anything, fantastic. But it looks like the, the site of the pyramid is pretty much dead. Right. Okay. They didn't enter the pyramid, did they? I was couldn't really a, go very a... far in because you know, the lights just weren't penetrating very far. It's very cold. They haven't got the time on the supplies. And to be honest, they're on the honeymoon and the place is surrounded by skeletons. Yeah, well, you know. Stranger honeymoon. Now, that's the setup. And uh, the next step is, of course, the, the day of departure and, uh, and so on. 
so given that it's uh, what, ten past nine now Yes. Uh, although obviously this session has been very much a kind of bit of bookkeeping and make a few rolls and it's sort of set up for things rather than anything actually happening, I think we're perhaps better leaving it there, launching into it next time with people actually uh, taking off in the astronef and then uh, see how far you get on the moon. Well then if Helen or how far possibly we get, Martin well, clearly, needs to join us, they can be one of the other yeah, I'll, I'll just change one of those characters. Yeah. Uh, you'll, be fine. Uh, you'll be thrilled to know that because Lady Redgrave is uh, travelling so that she can chaperone, because if, if it was just her, the only female character, she wouldn't go. Um, the two of you, uh, Lady Valentine and Lady Redgrave, will share the night cabin, and Lord Gra- Redgrave will therefore be in the bunk. Bunking with the chaps. Uh, yes, indeed, on the observation Gosh. deck. All friends together? Yes, absolutely. Right, so thank you very much. Uh, well, thank, thank you, you John. John. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. Well, hopefully, because then we got no well, setup. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, but um, that's we'll see what Norbert can do this on then. Lord, well, yeah, we were thinking Friday possibly, but yeah, we'll see what Friday. the others are doing. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we'll see if that works. And thank you very much, John. Thank you. Fascinating thank you. and exciting. Yes, no more vomit in the spacesuits for you. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, I hope you'll consider my application for funding for next year's trip to find life on Mars. Now, I know the chances of anything coming to Earth are a million to one, what they say, but uh, I, I disagree, really, and uh, I think... Uh, oh, hello? Hello? Oh, where's everyone gone? our gratitude towards noted troubadour Professor Elemental, who has so generously allowed us to use his music as part of our presentation today. Those not averse to engaging with infernal devices may wish to direct their Babbage engines to examine www.professorelemental.com for further information and musical fancies delivered directly to your preferred phonographic apparatus. <laughs> Bless my soul, what a wonderful age we do live in.